Quand je vous ai surpris devant le miroir, vous parliez comme moi. Recommencez. Oh. Je disais... Marge, ma chère Marge, mamie, m'amour. Le vilain monsieur ne nous séparera jamais. Je ne rentrerai pas à San Francisco et il n'aura pas ses 5000 dollars. Tout ce qui se dresse entre nous, je le détruirai. This is The Night Before, a movie podcast about what my husband and myself watch the night before. The next morning, we find a local spot in the city to discuss our views, our perspectives, what we liked about it, what we didn't like, and just our general overall thoughts about the movie. Yeah, that was good. And today... Well, today we're going to be talking about the movie Purple Noon. It's not really morning this time around for our, it's our first episode, but it's, not it's more right afternoon. Now. Yes. We had plans to do it in the morning at a little restaurant over coffee, but breakfast came the order of the day. Yes. Delicious so, breakfast. So now after a long walk to help digest said breakfast, we have ended up at Flower Crown Kombucha. It's a, like a local kombucha brewery. And Tampa. Mm-hmm, Tampa Florida. That um, it's actually our first time here, but it's beautiful spot. Yeah, we're sitting outside in the back patio area, and that's the plan. It's so I guess you could say our little podcast the night before is pseudo movie discussion and somewhat local brewery kombucha coffee shop talk hangout. shop hangout. hangout so that's where talk. we're at. <laughs> so we ended up, it was afternoon, we wanted a little kombucha, um, it was, and that was that. So, so we, we also saw the movie, we're going to be talking about the movie Purple Noon, mm-hmm. the 1960 French film directed by René Clément. We went to a screening, a, a pop-up movie screening last night, put on by a group called Second Screen Cult Cinema, and though Purple Noon might not be a film many people are that familiar with. It is. It was a. It's. It is based on a novel that was also eventually remade in the late 90s, 1999, by the title "The Talented Mr. Ripley," starring Gwyneth Paltrow, mm-hmm. Matt, Philip, Damon. Matt Damon, Jude Law, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Correct. Yes, that's correct. Okay, good. <laughs> I couldn't remember all the names. You got it. I was focusing on our current version, but this was the original, Purple Moon. Yes. Purple Noon, not Purple Moon. Purple Noon. Purple Noon. We watched it in like this sort of mid-century modern garden. It was lovely and interesting and mysterious. Which sort it of... It was fun. And truly, we won't count your other experience. As for us, it was our first sort of public movie experience since COVID. It was. With a bunch of people we didn't know, which was made it even more fun. We say a bunch. It was like 20-ish people. Yeah. Yeah. No. But a small little intimate gathering. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you can even check them out um, on the internet, Second Screen Cult Cinema, um, to see what monthly movies they do in various pop-ups. But that's what brought us to Purple Noon. Any other thoughts? <laughs> About my kombucha? Well, yeah, let's, let's, yeah, before we jump in, I mean, we're only a couple minutes in, 
The kombucha, I'm drinking Mexican hippie. We are drinking yeah. Mexican hippie, and it's delicious. It has like uh, turmeric undertones, ginger, mango. mango. Um, it's really delicious, and um, this space is really fun. You should check it out. Um, there's an out, outdoor area in the back, garden, and an indoor area. And as we get our social media stuff set up, we'll post little pictures yeah. from where we go each time. And each each time, I'm sure we're gonna, I'm sure we're going to, to retrace some steps, keeping it local in the Tampa Bay area. So I'm sure we'll be back to Flower Crown Kombucha, but our, our hope is to hit some of our favorite spots and discover some new ones. Before we do that, um, the night before, right? We came up with this title. Yeah. This is the obligatory first episode explanation of the title of the title of the reason we're doing a movie podcast because you know I think there's there's a couple movie podcasts on the internet available to people to listen. <laughs> One in particular is fantastic. Yeah, we can get into that later. Do your research there, but no, there's a lot of movie podcasts. Yes, there is. And so we weren't looking to necessarily add to that landscape, but. We did notice a, kind of a regular occurrence that between you and I that led to the night before podcast idea that we're finally embarking on months after True. realizing Whenever it. we would watch a movie together, we would end up going to coffee, doing something in the morning, and, and really... So we watched it the night before. So we watched it the night like before. Like it was the movie right before bed. Movie right before might bed. Might be... Or in bed. During bed. Or it might become bed while we're watching the movie. Right. Because one goes to sleep. Become bed. Yeah, yeah. The meaning, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one or both of us fell asleep during it. Usually me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've, these days I've been prone to take little naps in some of our film watching. But what we found was did, we didn't really talk about it that night. Never. Because even typically. if we both made it to the end. It's time to go to bed. We were Let's sleepy. You're not going to get in a little discussion about your film. Yeah. So you go to sleep. And then? Then you wake up. And we or typically we like... we wake up. We wake up. <laughs> and then we typically want to go get coffee somewhere mm -hmm. on the weekend. And um, we've noticed mm -hmm. that that's where we would kind of be hashing out what we did the night before, what we thought about the movie, what, you know, maybe what we would have talked about the night before. Yeah, the conversation about that film sparked over a cup of coffee or maybe later in that afternoon if we ended up going to a brewery or getting lunch somewhere or a kombucha bar and we would say this is actually our first really kombucha bar experience yeah. <laughs> but you know what i mean you know, all those kombucha bars we end up yeah <laughs> well kombucha bar hopping that's what we do we're gonna um a, com uh, a kombucha crawl i don't know but that we wouldn't really end up talking about the movie till the next day right and we thought looking at our choices for titles the night before seemed to be the best thing. Because it was slightly sexual. I guess so. But it was discussing like what we did the night before. What we did the night before, yeah. Over a cup of coffee. It's almost like that what the hangover movie or something, like what happened last night right. type type deal. Was the it last it was typically like that was a weird movie, gave me nightmares. Right. And now we're it was back. disturbing. Though Purple Noon could have given you nightmares. Purple Noon did not give me nightmares. It could have given it you nightmares. It could have. It could and that's, have. And that's our segue into Purple Noon. I'm looking up one quick thing. We tried. I know you brought some notes. 
I wrote some notes down this morning I'm, while I was working. I'm kicking it off the dome. Um, but the because truth is... I have is, a terrible memory. The truth is neither one of us have discussed this film about At all. T together because we did try to hold that rule. But I have one point in my head that I just want to look at real quick. But you can maybe start us off. Um, that's interesting. And as okay. I do, I did a little character research, okay. you know, because I get intrigued with a star. So I want to know about the star's life. Okay. So I did a little bit of that, okay. particularly the women. And so first off, neither one of us had seen this movie before, Purple Noon. No. Mm -mm. So, and then the second piece, but we both have seen the Townsend, Mr. Ripley. I want to yes. say I have. I don't remember it. So when you're um, watching it... I don't remember. I want to watch it again There's now. no moments when you're watching it like, oh, yeah, that's Townsend, Mr. Ripley. I remember that in Townsend, Mr. Ripley. Yeah, no, there are parts of Though it. Though these movies I, were nearly 40 years apart. I mean, yeah. Well, I will say this. I have seen and vividly remember the Townsend, Mr. Ripley. And you I liked enjoyed it. it. I liked it. Um, I'm not sure yet. I think I like Purple Noon better. I think that's the easier answer. Is that I the think, thing to say? I think that's the stock answer. Like, of course I like Purple Noon better. <laughs> <laughs> it's French. It's in the 60s. It's intelligent. Or it's... Well, 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 that's the point. How intelligent is it? Well, I don't know how intelligent it is, but... But anyway, so I've seen it. Why don't we start with kind of just... What do you think of Purple Noon? I liked on, it a lot. I have to go on your, your notes, no. but... Um, I liked it a lot. I... Oh, sorry. I liked it a lot. I thought um, the characters were intriguing. I liked, I mean, you know, so the obvious, the obvious thing is I liked the setting, right? And the setting was? In Italy. So, yeah, so no one's ever seen this. This is set in Italy. Both films, town, even though so we're not going to really talk about Ripley much. It is set in Italy. So it's my Italy experience. Mm-hmm was nothing like the movie. Well, However, I think most people's Italy experience. So it makes Italian you want to go to Italy not. and spend time on the shore. So yeah, I mean, but I, I don't think most of us no, 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 I'm have the ability to like have our own little private sailboats in Italy and no, 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 I'm not saying and that. skirt around I'm the coast. Even when you go, even when you go to Italy as a uh, tourist, you usually go to like Florence and Rome, and you don't see the ocean ever. Yeah. I mean, it's not your typical Italy experience, except for the people that go to, like, the coast of Italy for that specific reason. I was, well, so it yeah. made me want to go to this Italy. This could be your upper-class European Italian experience. Mm -hmm. It was very nice and very beautiful, and the colors were really pretty. And the, it was beautiful. It was I'm sure beautiful. there's more technical terms for that, but the mm -hmm. colors were really no, pretty. No, it was shot well. The cinematography yeah. was great. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and those who aren't aware of either Townsend, Miss Ripley, or especially Purple Noon, in this particular case, it focuses on two men. Mm -hmm. One is a very rich, well-to-do, kind of one even might say just like arrogant, spoiled uh -huh. brat, rich, mm -hmm. rich kid. Because um, they're young. They're in their maybe 20s. Late 20s. Maybe Philippe is older. I don't know. Philippe is the rich one. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Philippe is the rich and one. He might be in his 30s. Because in, in Town to Miss Ripley, he's, his name has been changed to Dickie, and that's Jude Law's character. Oh, okay. And they're American, but in this one, they're French. And Philippe and his girlfriend, fiance, fiance. Marge. Marge. Um, they are kind of just going on a boat trip, like we said, kind of a long... Mm -hmm. 
you know, in Italy, you know, in uh, his sailboat. And their friend, Tom, who's not even really his friend. No. I guess it comes out in the beginning that the father has paid paid Tom, Tom, Tom to come bring Philippe back to yes. the States. And if he brings right? him back, he's going to get 5000 it's to San Francisco. It's to San Francisco. He's going to get five thousand. We're not sure why they're going to San Francisco. Which at the time would have been a real and a that's lot, a lot. Of money. And Tom mm-hmm. really needs this money. Tom is not rich and well to do. Right. At all, and that's also apparent in the so remake. Tom seems slightly younger, maybe just mm-hmm. the characters in general. But we know. introduced by Tom t- talking to Philippe, showing how good he is at forging signatures mm-hmm. and kind of impersonations, and that he's just kind of a con man. Type. He, and he was just clever, smart, and cunning. Right. Yes. Um, and through this, there's this sort of just weird, I don't even call it friendship, just this weird dynamic creating between Philip and... Banter. And Tom. Like, N- not like, yeah, it's... They go out drinking and... Yeah, they go uh, like womanizing. Yeah. And kind of just gallivanting and just having Around fun. Around mm-hmm. um, And Tom's kind of along for the ride. But his main purpose is the hopes that he's going to be able to convince Philippe to come back, so he gets the five thousand dollars from Philippe's dad. Yeah, and so the, and so they're on the way back, and and this is obvious as the movie moves quickly that Philippe, well, no, I'm sorry, that Tom is sort of becoming very envious of Philippe and this lifestyle, and also somewhat. I don't know if it's almost, it doesn't almost seem disgusted, but almost like he has a plan from the beginning that he's going to do something yeah, to Philippe. And, and the movie, that's one of my first things about the movie, even though I really liked it. That's really it one of my rushes that part really quick. You have to fill yeah, in all yeah. those things yourself. Right. You have to really pay attention at the beginning to mm-hmm. understand. So that's the basic that. setup. And then eventually, um, and this is, and the movies eventually, the remake and the original come together at some point. They. It's really about Tom kind of taking over Philippe's life and um, persona and um, and place mm-hmm. in, in all things. Finances, his relationship with Marge, mm-hmm. just sort of Tom becoming Philippe, Philippe. Mm-hmm. Um, and putting Philippe out of the picture. Right. And it's not quite like fight, Fatal Attraction type, type style movie. So... Yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of the point of the movie. And then it's really then about Tom. Is Tom Ripley going to get caught and exposed as his sort of web and mess gets deeper and deeper? Right. So, yeah. That's the movie. That's the movie. All right. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Refill on the kombuchas. So... So I <laughs> thanks for telling us the whole movie. No, we didn't tell no, you that. That's actually just the first act. Um, so I have I had thought first, like what you were saying about um, fully or Tom from the beginning wanting to take over his life. Like I had a plan from the beginning because to me it seemed different in the fact that <clears throat> he. What? what do you mean different from? Different the from, remake or okay. just different than movies no, in no, general? No. Different from the thought of, okay, is he in love with Marge and he wants to take over his life? Or is he just doing it because it's there? Like you said, like he's a con man. He wants what's in front of him. I, it never to me seems like he's like in love with Marge or like... No, the Marge, Marge fascination seems to develop later. I think it's more of like, can I accomplish this? More than like... I'm fascinated with this person's life and want to be this person. It's it's more of like a, a 
person to me it seemed more of like just like a personal challenge like can i accomplish well personal this? challenge and props to second screen cult cinema they did host a little mini discussion post movie screening and and one of the individuals there brought up the point that they thought this saw this as a film of survival mm-hmm. and i agree that as a tom might be like personal challenge slash this is his this is an opportunity i'm going to pounce on it oh to be uh, to have money to to get money to get right. wealth um, all that stuff so it wasn't necessarily what i'm saying is it was not necessarily like about like you said like a fatal attraction or i have to have the woman kind of thing the woman or was even, part even, of it even a, a bit in the remake which again I don't want to talk much about it. I do want to revisit it. But the remake even leans a little bit heavier on sexuality and, and attraction because there's even things implied that's not in this version that Tom Ripley even has a fascination or even an attraction to, to the Philippe Dulac Dickey character, the, the rich character, um, in addition to the woman. Mm. Um, and that's not present in this. No. And then, then, like I said, even the wanting of Marge in this film by Tom Ripley seems, yeah, it seems just developed because that's attached attached to the wealth and the life. Right. There's no, like, real strong love or even lust towards Mm her. No, yeah. That's what I thought was more surprising. I thought that would be more of a focus. Mm -hmm. It's really not like a lover triangle movie. Right. Right. No, it's not. So I think it's nice. So you liked it. Oh, you liked that it wasn't a love yeah, triangle yeah, yeah. movie? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I mean, I think, you, I know this is going to sound cliche, but my initial thought sitting there when the movie first started, because of the era we're in right now, what, the and whole, that's, that's what you're... The whole male for. toxicity, yes. me too, you know, yes. chauvinist. Of course, because it's on the top of your mind. Well, it opens up with the two males... Just like buying a, well, one is, I think it's supposed to, it sets up how insensitive this rich, how insensitive out of touch Philippe, the rich character is. He buys a cane off a bl- of a blind man who they're, right. who they're even joking about. He may or may not be blind. Right. They don't know. Like, is he just, is he a, well, like, it's setting two it, women get out of the cab and they're like, well, I don't even know her, their names. Oh, like at, that at they're the beginning. at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And that's when then they go to the next woman. And they go to the, the next man. woman that they're all over. But they're even, both all over her. But even, and so my wait. initial thought is like, this is so degrading towards women. But of course, this came out in the 50s and 60s. Not that that makes it okay, but... No, but like the Philippe character was like kissing all over her and grabbing her breasts. Right. And then the Tom Ripley character is even like leaning over. But but it even shows his desperateness to be a part of this. He's like kissing on her neck. Right. At the same time. And she's kind of brushing him away. Right. Tom right. Ripley. But he wanted to be part of it. And, you know, and so I think, like I said, you look at it two ways. Yeah, under modern lens, it's sort of like, oh, yeah, this Philippe Rich character, which the movie throughout of it, you never really have much sympathy for the, the, the rich guy. No, no. Um, you have a lot of sympathy, I felt, for Tom Ripley. Yeah, I, oh, definitely. Um, but it was, it was, it took me a little while to let the chauvinistic, like, the fact that the women are being treated so poorly, um, well, even to the way let Philippe, that go. A even the way bit. Philippe treats, treats March. Yeah. He, oh, like, especially the way he yells at her. Philippe. He throws her manuscript that she's writing into the sea. When he when we first meet her, she's upset that he's been gone and misses some party they had to go to. Right. And he kind of just like really care. he kind of just yells at her, shoes Tom out of the room, and obviously they make out or have sex or whatever. Well, that's the other thing. It's like the the portrayal of Marge is like 
She's so heartbroken all the time and yes. crying. She does that, she's like, just old... like the pitiful, but if you start making out with me, I'll be fine. Yeah, she does that whole like that thing where like she huffs and like puts her arm over her face and yes. then like turns to the corner, like falls yeah. to the couch. Yes. Um, which again, we get it. It's sort of a, and it it, looking under a different feel... cultural lens. But yes. I never once it felt. Is... No, no, no. I didn't feel. I, I understood. I mean, I was we're not canceling Purple Noon. No. I understood it was, no, 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 not at all. I'm saying it because of the cultural lens they're in right now, mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. took me a little bit at the beginning to put that kind of aside and say, this is this is a different era that we're that filming, making films in, you know, yeah. like. But I did think if you really think about it, and this is my first, I don't want to say problem with the film, but my only really struggle with the film mm -hmm. and I don't know if it was an internal struggle my own sort of perception and way I watch movies okay. the way I've been developed to watch movies okay I felt the first act moved really quick in the fact of just letting us making the viewer fill in the holes okay. right we had to really you know I quickly had to learn about Tom and this cunningness a lot of stuff was shown on the screen sure and, and now that I'm thinking about it I see it taking the the buying the cane from the blind man and doing the con on the woman mm -hmm. acting like they're blind mm -hmm. and picking her up and going around town with her and then all of a sudden being like we're not blind right and then just kind of leaving she's her. just like haha that's funny yeah but in a way much different version but it's the con the tom event you know it's introducing the con mm -hmm. right there to the blind man in in five minutes you see sort of a similar version of everything happening somebody acting like they're not to get something they want. Right. And that's eventually what Tom does. But then even a month while Philippe's doing the con to the woman, you're also starting to see shades of Tom's desperateness. Right. To, to, to latch on to that and get what Philippe has because he can't get it. Um, it's basically two amoral men hanging yeah. out together, but Tom's amoral behavior is greater than... Yeah, Tom's the true like e, tr Tom's the true evil person in this movie. Yeah. Like he murders people. He but kills you like people. Them anyway. Even even after his first murder, because it's no surprise he gets Philippe out of the picture. Um, and that's where the movie I think gets amazingly good. By the way, like I think it goes like levels of greatness. After he kills Philippe. <laughs> yes. Um, even though all of it it happens so quick between like introducing everybody, knowing everybody, and that's what I mean. That was my first struggle with it. We sometimes complain about modern movies that. We didn't get enough character development. We didn't get enough backstory. We didn't get enough just space to let this thing un unravel. And the Towns of Miss Ripley gives a lot more space and depth to those characters. But I feel like, oh, this isn't a movie about that. But the first act, I'm like, as a viewer, am I been, as a modern movie viewer, have I have expectations of what they should give me? Mm. Or no, or do you respect the viewer and let them kind of fill in these holes and think about a movie later mm -hmm. and say, oh, no, all the pieces were there. They just didn't hit you in the face with it. Right. Because that first act, I found myself leaning on my knowledge of the talented Mr. Ripley, hmm. the remake, mm -hmm. to know what was happening. It wasn't any shot for shot you know, retelling of it. It was different. Mm -hmm. Like the remake is totally different in a lot of areas. But I knew enough to be like, I know what's going on. Right. I wonder, and that's what's, you know... But you seem to follow along fine. I, yeah, no, it didn't. Not it wasn't confusing that. to me, but it was quick. Like, it was yeah. a quick pace. And then, and I guess that's just the whirlwind of maybe it's like the whirlwind Tom Ripley's in. 
mm-hmm. and kind of going through all this. Because then once they get to the boat and he sees the tension between Philippe and Marge really start bubbling up mm-hmm. to the point that he starts to do stuff and Philippe puts him on a the little dinghy, dinghy lifeboat <laughs> and puts him out to sea, like right. t- tug him behind the, the main right boat. Right before that, one of the scenes that stood out to me, I was kind of like, it was, I thought it was kind of weird from the rest of the movie was when they're eating in the boat right before he gets mm-hmm. put out on the dinghy, I guess. Yeah. Is it before or after? I was right before. That was before. Um, where they're all eating kind of like... Eating with their hands. And eating with their hands. And I know it's because it's on a boat, but it all seemed like... Um, like, okay, there's not enough room for all three of them. Yes. Something's going to, you well, know, Philippe like, even tells Marge, they're annoyed with Mar- Yeah, Marge him. even says, I want to leave. Drop me off at the next She's city. She's kind of like, here's the food. Da-da-da, and Marge's like, know? I'm out of here. And Philippe right. says, no, we'll get rid of Tom. Right. And it'll just be us. Right. But you're right. Three's but it had that feeling of, like, the tension of there's too many people on the boat. There's, everybody's annoyed with everybody. And she's pick- And he's picking on Tom. And she's kind of telling him to stop, and he's correcting him how to hold a knife properly. Like, right. this is how, it's like, civilized people hold knives. Um, mm-hmm. um, you obviously weren't raised right. Right. Like, you weren't raised wealthy, um, for sure. But then the movie, to me, and that's where the movie, um, I think, within, like, the first act, that's where it turns really great, is, like, Marge gets up in a huff, she's gone. Mm-hmm. She well, leaves? At least she asserted herself in that well, way. When, I was when, like, I hope she actually leaves. When, yeah, when, when Philip gets angry at her. And throws her manuscript throws off her the boat. Into the boat in the water. She's heartbroken. She gets off. Him and Tom get back on the boat, start sailing again. And they. That was up. part of the plan. Like, yeah. he tricked, Philippe tricked. No, them. Tom, Tom tricked. I mean, sorry. Tom yes. kind of staged tricked, some things. Staged some things to get her. Extremely upset with to increase Philippe, the tension, to increase and, the and it tension. Worked. It worked to and, get rid of Marge, uh, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then they, the two of them, when they're alone, the two guys, they sit and play this card game, right? right? And it's this whole like stakes, like you know, uh, yeah, they're both playing a game with each other. Tom is somewhat confronting him about the five thousand dollars. We're never actually going to get to where we're supposed to go, are we? Right. And Philippe's like, you know, yeah, of course not. Like he's not saying it, but like, yeah, you know, you know. And that's when... Um, they also talk about, like, if you were to kill me or if you were to get rid of me. Well, he's, he's, like, he's like, what is your plan? Is your plan to get rid of me? Like, that's Philippe right. confronts they're him. saying it very... Which I think for Philippe, like, it... And maybe somebody said this after the cinema thing. I mean, it just shows his, like, naive nature. Philippe's naive nature. Well, arrogance. Like, well, right, right. Like, narcissism, arrogance, naivety, all brought about by money and his upbringing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of, I mean, we know people like that. Of course we do. <laughs> um, uh, because he doesn't think it's actually going to happen to him. And he's not even really concerned that Marge got off the boat. He thinks she's, no, he he's, well, he's going to get her back. We even he see thinks. later in the movie, Marge wants him back later. Yeah, and course, she's like, where's Philippe? Cringy. Where's Philippe? Where's yeah. Philippe? And Tom's always like, oh, Tom's doing this whole, like, sending letters back and forth. Right. Um, as, you know, that he's writing, but acting that they're from Philippe. And, that, and that's where I thought the movie was really great. Um, when he, again, like, we don't do ma- major, major spoilers, I guess, but, I mean, these are super old films. And, yeah, I, and I think knowing what happens doesn't I mean, really, just because you, yeah, no, it doesn't ruin the film. It doesn't spoil you the watching of it. it. And, again, if you know, vaguely understand Townsend, Miss Ripley, or have seen it, you understand where this movie goes. Because they take very similar beats through the whole thing. Um, but after Philippe has been killed, 
by Tom, I think the movie is awesome. That extended scene of him trying to get rid of him, get rid, get rid of, the, of body the body off the boat. Can I ask a question before yeah. we go any further? Yeah. Why did he tie him to the boat? Why didn't he just throw him in the water? I was thinking that okay, the no, whole time. No, so you're jumping to the end. Too. Oh, okay. No, you're right. No, I. I, no, I'm just saying, even before I knew what the ending was, because I didn't know what the ending mm -hmm, was. Mm -hmm. Well, the ending is different than in Townsend um, Miss Ripley. The whole time he's getting rid of the body and he ties him to the boat, I'm thinking, why? No, I don't think he ties it. So what happened? He, he, yeah, he No, he stabbed him. He stabbed him. Okay. He's struggling to get rid of this body. He wraps it up in that tarp. Tarp. Covering, whatever it is. He ties... He gets a line from the boat somewhere. Mm -hmm. He ties it up around. Um, but I think he ties it onto the boat, so he's dragging the body. No, no, I don't think he, it was an accident. Oh. He, he attaches, he uses the rope to attach an anchor to the body, so the body sinks. And then even when he throws it off, remember, it's still, the boat's still dragging it a minute. And then when he cuts the line he gets the line unraveled it right. then because it's still tied off yeah, on the boat and that the body, part wasn't clear to me and the body sinks the whole time i thought he's purposely tying it to the boat mm -hmm. and i'm thinking why would he do that no he's i guess i what happens is right at, and so the whole movie happens and does thing the body does get discovered because that line has it's become tangled boat. up into the under parts of the boat and the, the hull, motor or whatever the, the, hull, the fins the and the under things gotcha. under the boat it gets all tied up there, and so the body gets discovered at the very end. Okay. Kind of exposing Tom. Right. Um, which, that was one of my... That's why I looked up at the beginning of this podcast. When did Psycho come out? Because this movie is... Rene Clement, who directed it, it's, it's, it's wonderful. I love the way it's directed and, and very... Um, just very unique. You know, you know, say what you want. It's really good one's own style, right? Those last few minutes of the film all of a sudden felt like cut to like Alfred Hitchcock psycho oh, yeah. ending. Like now it's time for the big reveal. Mm -hmm. And you know, psycho ends with pulling the car out of the water. Right, right, right. right. Um, from, from the murder at the beginning of the movie. And it, and it comes with, you know, the chains and the car being pulled out. This is a similar thing. The boat coming out of the water and the exposing of Philip's body, right? But I was like, did which came first, the chicken or the egg? The psycho or the... Which one came the first? Purple? They both released in 1960. Oh. So I thought that was intriguing. Is it? What does it say about me that I was disappointed that he got caught at the end? Is that bad? No, I think that's what's interesting about this movie. I mean, I, I, I kind of wanted him to get away with it because think... Philippe is so immoral, but so is Tom. Mm -hmm. Like, um, but I was kind of wanting him to get away with it. I don't know why. That's. I, th I think in movies like this, I mean, I think a well-written film, which this is, a well-shot film, what this is, a well-acted film, which this is, um, with attractive characters, especially mm -hmm. an attractive killer. It, it has all of it. checks all the boxes. You want, you're supposed to root, you're supposed to have sympathy for, for the these people. That he's been placed in situations that have gotten out of hand that have unraveled. And that truly happens here. 
I'm rooting for Tom Ripley the whole movie. Mm-hmm. I think when his killing goes beyond Philippe and some of his deception goes beyond all that and then you also see his speaking in modern terms right his sort of ghosting and gaslighting of Marge also Mm -hmm. to kind of win her over um, you start losing some sympathy for him but at the end of the day do you still want to see the cunning clever con man get away with it yeah Yeah. I think you do Oh, yeah, when he, um, yeah, you do lose sympathy when he, like, steps over the cop's body. The body, or not the cop, what, the other person he kills. Yeah, the, the other friend. He just kind of, like, lays in his apartment. Oh, yeah. And he, like, steps over it, he, then he eats a chicken he, afterwards. He not only eats a chicken, he cooks a chicken. He cooks a chicken and eats it, and the body is just, like, laying there. So you see really how deep his. Which is like, okay, at this point, this guy's the psycho. Yeah. <laughs> But you still want him to get away with it for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there's definitely that. But no, I think a good movie, you want the, the, the your, your lead protagonist to you root for them as long as you can. But I, I think there was some satisfaction in the ending. Uh, my memory of Townsend Miss Ripley and, and, and what some folks were talking about last night was that was that the ending is different in Townsend Mr. Ripley as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't fully remember, but I do seem to remember Matt Damon's character getting away with it. Right. And kind of just disappearing into the crowd. Um, or this one. This one, you know, it's 1960s. Can the, can the killer get away? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is like morally, is is that okay? But I'm trying to think back to Psycho, right? Like Norman Bates gets exposed, right. and and and, um, and, uh, and but also not only Norman Bates, but also um, the Janet Lee, the also gets exposed too for the murders and the crime she does at the beginning of the movie, the, the crime she does at the beginning of the movie, not the murder. Right. The robbery and the money she takes. Um, so, you know, maybe of the time people get, and so it's been a while since I've seen Psycho going on memory on that too, but, you know, it's people. People ha- getting exposed. The, can the bad guys get away? Right. You know, or gals in the Psycho's case. Sometimes they do. Like Norman Bates wasn't the, the only bad person in Psycho. Right. Definitely. Um, so, no, I like Purple Noon. I liked Purple Noon. Do you want to know my actress research? I yes, yeah, yeah, I see some notes. So I always, um, I like to, whenever I like a character, I like to know about them in real life. Yeah. So I looked up Marie Lafore, is her name? Yeah, who played Marge. Who played Marge. So when she did the movie, she was only 19. Okay. She was very young. She looks older than that, doesn't she? Yeah, if you... S- but it was her first movie that made her famous, I guess. Yeah. But she was actually not famous, not as famous for her being an actress. She was actually a French pop singer that okay. sold millions and millions and millions of records. Excuse me, that's some kombucha, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and that was actually her claim to fame. She did some movies, but she is actually um, a an actress. Okay, so I wonder... I mean, sorry, a musician. I mean, I wonder why they also, I mean, the first time you meet her, she's like strumming a guitar and um, humming. True. And at the very end of the movie, she's strumming so a guitar sense. a bit. 
Yeah, so that's her. She's a French pop singer. Cool. And um, she had a very traumatic childhood. Oh, really? But her father went off to war, and when she was very young, she was raped mm. by some men that lived next door while her father was away. I think this was World War, would World War II make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and I guess they were very poor until the father came back and they moved and then somehow they, actually she lived a pretty wealthy life most of her life once her father got back and she went to a prestigious school and got into music and acting. <clears throat> wow. um, so that's my research on that. And she recently um, died in... She died in... Ni- in 2019. Right, she lived a long time, until she yeah. was like 80. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look on... So that was interesting, I thought. I, as I often look at... When I pull up movies and things on letterbox.com, uh, tracking films we watch, uh, Purple Noon is her, like the top film that pops up, like her number right. one. And then number two is a 1965 film, also French, called The Camp Followers. So that might be one to check out. I didn't listen to any of her music, but supposedly it's like folk-type French music. Okay, we can see that. Um, And one other little piece of research I did was, you know, and I, because I thought about this, this was like an image that stuck out. So I was like, I have no idea why they mm-hmm. showed that. Well, let me get your thoughts. Cause I didn't know. So this is not my thought. I read this somewhere. Let me okay. get your thoughts. So I'm remember listening. when they're going through the market, the market, and they show those little oh, faces all the, all the stingrays. on the stingrays. Yeah. So that image popped out and I was like, what was, there had to be purpose to that. Right. Yeah. Well, initially I don't have my any thoughts on the stingray. Initially there's that scene. Tom's really in, and deep at this point, his, mm-hmm. his, he's got a mess to work himself out of. And, uh, you know, as as of the era, there's these sort of montage, maybe it's just, like just an extended right. scene of yeah. no real dialogue or even sounds, like outside real world sounds, just music. Yeah, they're just like in the Italian food, like markets where they're selling food. And, and it's all really whatnot. seafood they're selling us. Right. And at first I said, oh, there's a lot of, it's all like dead fish. Right. It's like different fish, they're all dead. And, and is that some sort of subliminal messaging or just putting in your mind, like, the death that's surrounding him and this idea of, like, throwing Philippe overboard into the ocean and, you know, um, mm-hmm. swimming with the fishies, if you will, right? The sort of dead fish. Sure. But then you're right. And that was really just all my thought was rolling with. And then there's, a like, kind of a, a section, a platter, <laughs> an area of a person selling small little stingrays. Stingrays. That's what they were. And and they're yeah. all stingrays. And at first they're just normal. You just look at the stingrays. And then there's another cut of a stingray, a shot of a stingray. And then and then it's the underside of stingrays that you don't really see with all their little faces. faces they look like funny and faces. And they show and them like, like real up shot close. after shot after shot after shot. Of the funny faces. Stingray faces. And I was just a little perplexed. So and I think that was the part that had like weird piano music too, yeah. which I really enjoyed. So I read something that kind of made sense. Uh, <laughs> If I don't, I don't remember where I read it, but so if we, we'll fact check that. Okay. Um, Follow up next episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, this person said that. In regards to the movie or stingray faces in the general. Stingray face. No, okay. the stingray faces in regards to the movie. Okay, in purple noon. Got yeah. it. Yeah. 
that the whole movie was a contrast between land and sea. When they were at land, things were um, like slower and like an alternate reality. That's when he was kind of living this alternate life. When he was at sea, it was kind of his like tumultuous like thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then so the rays, when while they're at land and they see the rays and the smiling faces, the smiling rays, it's like a foreshadowing of what's to come that he's going to get caught. Mm. That's okay. what this person thought. I, I thought it was interesting. It. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying I thought it was like a mockery or a laughing at Tom. I can see of that. like from the sea, like the they know what happened in the sea. Mm -hmm. Like it's going to come up of what happened. Like I said, that was my thought, like, right? The yeah, fish, the yeah, sea, yeah. and the stingrays. So I thought that was interesting. Like, it's sort of like that thought. I was like, why are they showing these faces on the stingray? Yeah, it the, didn't make sense the, to me the at the time. The fish and sea life coming back to haunt you. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah. A little humorous. No, but I like it. It was good. It was definitely made for an But it's you're right. Any of the stuff at sea, which we mentioned a little bit, I really liked, especially that, as I mentioned before, that extended moment when Tom is just struggling with the body. And, and the way the, a lot of the, the camera angles at that point are very, it's very low. It's like below level, right? It's, it's in the dark. shooting up at Tom. Meaning you see like, it's like the camera's just sitting on the, the boat mm -hmm. and it's facing up, not on a tripod and it's facing up towards him. And half the screen are just the crashing waves. Cause I remember thinking when I was watching it, like, what are you doing? Like, did you, did you purposely film during like choppy seas when right, this is happening right, right. or is the, boats positioned in a way that you're able to kind of rock in and maneuver it to mm -hmm. create these waves. But it was um, for such a violent moment mm -hmm. and a violent turn in Tom's life, the sea was equally violent. Right. And it was just and great sound work as well, just thrashing of, of the waves over and over. So um, they, and, yeah, and it wasn't just a quick little moment. It was a, a long, drawn-out process. So the sea was like the depth, <laughs> the darkness, yeah, yeah. and the land was like the bright, like the life that he wanted, you mm -hmm. know, trying to get the life he wanted, I guess, if you could say that. Yeah. Right. So I think we can both, I think we will end these things as our kombucha glasses are empty. True. Um, I think, would you recommend Purple Noon to anyone? I or, definitely or would recommend I'm, it. No but I was, I'm looking forward to seeing Tal and Mr. Ripley. Night, maybe a double feature night would be fun for anyone that's into watching We've it. been talking a lot about programming similar movies or movies that are different enough that remakes like double features, mm -hmm. like one one and another. And I think this would work well. Purple, They're different enough mm -hmm. that I think one would enjoy Purple Noon and Talented Mr. Ripley. Um, as well. I definitely recommend Purple Noon. If no you reservations. Don't mind the subtitles. I used to teach you about. No, I joke about. It. I love subtitle movies. Kidding. I know. I only teach you because you fell asleep during that movie. I fell asleep during one film. During the director the film, was sitting in front of us. I fell asleep during one film with subtitles. It was like eleven o'clock at night after four movies prior to film festival. But yes, and in front of the director. So. But it was rough. But it was also a dreary, slow horror movie. Um, as well. True. But, but no, I'd recommend this. No recommend. No reservations. I think no. any person who enjoys it's movies. It's a good night before. Would watch it and like it. It's, it's a good night before. Settle yourself in. Like with any film that's either subtitled or foreign, or older, like this 1960s, which is kind of a different style. Give yourself. It's like it's like when you turn the lights off in a bedroom, right? It's 
your eyes take a few minutes to adjust to it. Right. To the to the darkness, and then then it's like nothing. Same you thing. You don't here. even realize it. It takes a few minutes to adjust to the different format and the different style, and then I think you get sucked in, just sure. as good as anybody. And yeah, I'm excited to rewatch Talented Mr. Ripley, and I'm pretty sure. Except just speaking out of memory, I think I, I think I do like now that we talked about it more Purple Noon more. Mm -hmm. um, only also just looking at the runtime, Purple Noon comes in at I think under two hours, and Ripley is over two hours, and I and I do like how this is a sort of tighter story mm -hmm. that requires you to fill in some of it yourself. So. I like it. I like it. Okay. okay. So we don't have... We cheers. Don't, oh, cheers. It's gone. I don't think you cheer with empty glasses. Cheers. Maybe that's how we should start at the beginning of episodes. Oh, yeah, we, we will. Next time we will. But I think we're going to maybe get some refills of the kombucha. Okay. And uh, start thinking and talking about what next movie we're going to watch. And so we can have another episode installment of The Night Before. Sounds good. Any last thought words? No, I, just, I really enjoy my time with you. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. I'm glad I did this it. This is a nice kid-free time. Okay, we're going to keep doing it. And, we're going to um, keep doing it. We'll tell us movies we should watch, and we'll maybe watch them and maybe talk about them. Thanks for talking with me. Thanks for talking with us. Right, bye.